This is the Glass Tire Art Dirt Podcast. I'm Rainy Knudsen. I'm Christina Reese. This is our very first podcast, and I have a cold, so we're just going to bear with it. It's not Glass Tire's first podcast. It's the first Art Dirt podcast. Yes, yes. It's it's yours and my first podcast. Yeah. We have other podcasts, our wonderful Not a Hobby series by Ariana Roche. So in this podcast, we're going to be talking about art and dirt. We're in Houston, Texas. We're mm-hmm. talking about topics close to our hearts. Uh, every week on Glass Tire, we do a top five video where we pick what we think are the top five art exhibits that week in Texas. And um, it's wildly popular. Is it? Is it? I think it is. Are you recognized? Hun- visits in the hundreds. Are you, are you recognized when you go around Texas? I have been, yeah. No, I haven't had a couple of, of recognized episodes. And Brandon got recognized in New York last week. Interesting. Because of being on Glass Tower Videos. which sure. was I know. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, yeah. so we do these. We've, anyway, this past week... I picked a show at Texas Gallery, and it was Linda Benglis and um, Alan Shields, Alan Shields and Peter Young. Peter Young, yeah. It was a very happy show, and I said the gallerist just had had enough with everyone being hysterical and upset, and they were just going to do something fun and pull out some fabric and beads from the '60s and just do this sort of hippy dippy fun fest, yeah. and and. I noted that, and I thought, now is now the time to bring up the idea that it may or may not that, that we're allowed to have this kind of escapist art at this point. How many days are we into this? Forty, forty-five, forty-five days. How into many this? days? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I thought it was interesting that you said that, and it was interesting that a gallery here in Houston decided to go with that and and acknowledge that that's what it was doing. Right? Is it too soon? Is it too soon? Are we allowed to enjoy ourselves? I don't know. I don't know. I don't feel like I enjoy very much right now, although we all... What What else can one do for escapism? I think people are disappearing into Netflix and, you know, that sort of thing anyway, just to get away from reading about news. Those of us who read the news all the time, mm-hmm. I mean, this gets really heavy. By the end of the day, you're just, you're exhausted. I... I I wonder how much of our readership doesn't read the news all the time. I think a lot of our readership is probably pretty upset right now. Yeah. I really believe that. There are plenty of people in the art world who are like, oh, relax, it's fine. Um, not artists. Or should I say not good artists? No. <laughs> well, the show was just... The show was a lot of fun. I walked in, and I, and I felt just happy and relieved, and I was just glad to see something. And, and see, they're, they're, it's not just, like, dumb, happy paintings or whatever. They're pulling stuff out from the 70s, and it has a pedigree. And this is a gallery that's been around since the 70s, so they know this stuff. And yeah, can, this artwork was made before anyone knew that this national disaster was going to strike. Well, so, they were in the midst of other national disasters. Yeah, they had their days. own. They had their own. So you know, it was. Remember nine eleven? After nine eleven, people were like, "Well, we can't be ironic. We yeah. can't be snarky right now. So we got to be sincere." I know. Remember that? Yeah, oh, absolutely. How long was was there like a like a ban on irony? It took a, it took a while. It took several years. Yeah, seemed seemed to take some. time. It took several years. Well, we're still in the middle of the early days of trauma. So, yeah, I don't have any problem with the idea that that everyone should probably give themselves a little bit of escapism on any given day. If they do it through art, they do it through art. If they do it through 
literature or music or whatever else, theater, whatever. That's fine. That's out. Sex, booze, I don't care. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> uh, I don't think it's too soon for there to be a, a, an outlet. Yeah. I just don't think that people should ignore the fact that we're in the middle of a shit show. Yeah, and I don't think anybody is ignoring that. And certainly, I don't think the people at that gallery are. All these artists and all these arts institutions are like, what can we do? What can, what should we do? How should we respond, you know? And people are coming up with ideas, and people are doing stuff like the Dear Ivanka, you know, Instagram feed or mm-hmm. whatever. Right. Um, and you're seeing a lot of political art, and you're seeing a lot of social practice, you know, kind of... Community outreach from the institutions, institutions that used to be, you know, really dedicated to just showing art by artists are now feeling, I think, a certain obligation that they Mm -hmm. didn't feel before. And that's been a trend for a while. Yeah. It just feels even more, I don't know, uh, urgent now. I mean, I'm not going to criticize an institution for trying to, you know, inject some social responsibility into the picture. Not right now. No, no, not at all. But it, it does, it, the issue is because all these institutions are supporting it, because there's so much money for it, because you see calls for artists that specifically say we want something that is politically, you know, social engagement, collaborative, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't feel transgressive. It feels very sanctioned and very institutionalized. Right. And artists who are trying to show in these institutions or they want the artist residencies or they want the grants, it's going to change their work. Or or they're going to make they're going to grow up in in this environment and they will think that art needs to be a certain kind of work and transgressive really won't come into it. Remember the 90s like after all the political art in the 80s and then the 90s and Dave Hickey writing on beauty and it was like we want some shiny, pretty paintings and Yek and Tim Babington and all those people. Well, doesn't that speak to the idea that even you saying, hey, the, the, this gallery's just done a really nice show. I mean, in the sense, that almost feels transgressive in, on its own it right now. It felt transgressive. Like, ooh. But interesting, I felt palpable relief going in there. And interestingly, Frederica Hunter, the director, said that a woman came in because of our video uh-huh. and said that she just, she just wanted to feel some, ha- something happy. For a change, so she went to go see that show. Ooh, so what does it mean? So we feel guilty for finding peace or happiness at some point in our day. Right, right. We're and not we we're not allowed to have like and mindless institu- pleasure. And institutions are not allowed to show mindless pleasure or to show transgressive stuff that's not political stuff. Right, right. right. So that's where we are right now. I don't know if that's good or bad. I just know that we're... St- I think the wound is very raw. We're so still. in the middle of it. It's still so fresh. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, it's talking about social practice art, the Moody Center for the Arts that just opened at Rice University. Mm-hmm. And there's a... Uh, I was arguing with a friend recently because there's a, uh, I guess, artwork by Olafur Eliasson, very famous artist. And what this is is he is inviting refugees and immigrants to come in and assemble these wooden lanterns, these stick lanterns that he has designed. And there's sort of work tables and, you know, shelves with the materials and people come in together and This stuff's happening all over the art. Right, world. right, right. And I I I don't think the objects themselves are interesting whatsoever, frankly. Um, but I also feel like I'm glad somebody's paying attention to refugees or or immigrants or whatever. You always have to qualify these statements by being like, it's good that you're doing this. However, 
It's not interesting. Well, if the objects are not interesting, is, is that what matters, though? I mean, in the, I don't. I don't think it. I. I'm not sure that it matters whether or not the objects are interesting right. because I think the whole premise of the thing is the work. It would be helped if the objects were interesting, if they were coming together into something really spectacular. But still, would you call it art because it's people executing a design idea by an artist? In a sense, that makes it. Something else. I'm not sure what. Well, right. And my friend challenged me saying, like, oh, are you saying this isn't art? And I was like, well, if it's art, it's not good art. I just don't think it's... I I don't think this is a successful artwork because I don't care about it. I'm glad someone's doing it. If it's helping these refugees, that I'm great. But it's not drawing attention to some aspect of... So let's talk about the Moody Center and what it's going to be able to... Put, put out there over yeah. the next because we don't know what art's going to look like over the next ten years, five years, ten years. We're in the middle of a kind of a of a technological revolution anyway. Yeah. Now we've got well, a lot of people. Art. A lot of people are saying no more objects, which I'm is not going to happen. That's not going to happen because that's what people collect. But you know, and people will always collect because that's well, just and, a and we're 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 a long way away from evolving into just pure algorithms and not having a physical body. The Moody Center, for those of people who don't know, is this interdisciplinary $30 million building on the Rice University campus, and it is it just opened. It's brand new, and it has an exhibition space. It has a fabulous theater, the acoustics of which just blew me away when I was in there. You could hear, you could, it was like a completely dead zone in this big theater. And then it has all these classrooms and workstations and sort of open plan, open seating. Communal area. Creative workspace, yes. 19-year-olds all hanging out together. 19-year-olds and, and, and tables thing. on casters rolling around. I see. And orange tuffets that they can sit on. Carpeted stairs, maybe, something like that. I'm not just, not no, a just... lot of carpet. Okay. Um, it's honestly... I probably would have loved this when I was a student at Rice. I bet I would have hung but out at this place mean? all the time. Because when you say interdisciplinary, they're trying, they're bringing art, they're they're stewing together art or the idea of art, whatever Rice's idea of art is mm-hmm. at the committee level, with technology, engineering, right. the sciences. Right. So the interdisciplinary thing isn't just let's get visual artists and performing artists together, a la you know Black Mountain College. The interdisciplinary thing is let's get a, a biologist in to you know work with a, somebody from the French department, and so they're 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 definitely going like outside of the art department. And you know another friend of mine uh, from Houston actually we were talking about this, and this person said I don't I don't know that good art is going to come out of this. Right. Not that Rice has ever been a school that generated great artists because it's just not that department's not a big department. They don't even they don't have an MFA. I don't think they even have a BFA. It's not an art school. It's never been an art school. That's never been a priority. What it will do is it will inject arty thinking into the science and engineering and math departments. And that's very sexy for sort of Silicon Valley TED Talk. It's very new, very now. You know, but this is happening on a lot of college campuses. A lot of college campuses are opening up these big, expensive, multidisciplinary buildings. So Rice is just doing this thing. And I can't say it happened at the expense of Rice Gallery proper, but mm-hmm. maybe it did. And so Rice Gallery is people in Texas probably know, was this beautiful little gem, really a gem of an on-campus gallery. It had this big glass storefront window, and, it, and Kim Davenport and Peter Lucas were bringing in these artists. Josh Fisher, not Peter. Oh, excuse me. Uh, Josh Fisher were bringing in these artists to do site-specific installation 
only site-specific installation, only non-Texas artists. Yeah. And it was like a diorama, and it was always this jewel box kind of space, and it was always something new. And sometimes it worked, and sometimes it didn't, but it worked more than it didn't work. It was completely unique. Comple- not only unique in Houston, unique in Texas, and really in the country. Like yeah. There was nothing quite like this. And if you're a university and you don't have like a UCSD public art program, which is what is sort of the gold standard for public art on university campuses, and you don't have even an MFA program, you know, here's something you have. I think a lot of people on the Rice campus did not realize how revered the Rice Gallery was mm-hmm. off campus. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people off campus didn't really realize that Rice Gallery might have been kind of tenuous on campus or not appreciated as much. Rice, so Rice is very insular. You it's know? so surprising for, for me, being in Dallas, that people at Rice wouldn't realize how great the Rice Gallery was. I believe you. You went to Rice. I mean, you know. It's a funny place because they call it the hedges. You know, the Rice campus is surrounded by hedges, and it really is a bubble island mentality. Well, a lot of, you know, wealthy, small, private yeah, schools are like that. Are like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so they don't. You know, the larger art world in Houston is not something most people at Rice are paying any attention to. But I don't think that Rice would have built a $30 million building that was meant to have something to do with the arts if it wasn't in the middle of Houston. Well, I think that Rice, that this is the irony of the Moody Center, is that I think it's meant to foster innovative thinking, but it's it itself is not that innovative. They're doing what a lot of other universities are doing. It's a trendy, vogue thing to have an interdisciplinary center. They're does it also make MIT, it, you know, make it so that parents are more likely to allow their exactly. kids to go to school and make art because they're like, well, it's not just art. I don't even think it's that. I think it's like your engineering student will also be challenged in this interdisciplinary thing where they get to play with clay or I'm or work with a 3D think the printer. Of engineering students give a crap about that. I think it's more for kids who want a BA and their parents are like, what, what are you gonna do with that? Yeah. And then they bring them into this building and they say, yes, but look, they're working alongside the engineering students and the biology students and the how oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and the they architecture have, students. They're, they're they're they'll know how to run a 3D printer and they can get a job at Pixar maybe. Exactly. Yeah. It's quite possible. It's quite possible. I'm so just speculating. It'll be interesting. I, I mean, it's it's a lot of people complain about the building. The brick is different from the rest of campus. I mean, there's controversial aspects of the building for sure. Well, you have a campus where every building is made with a specific brick from Louisiana, from the specific foundry in Louisiana. See, I went to University of North Texas, so, you know, right. every building is completely different from every other building. Right, right. And I went to UT for grad school, which is just a hodgepodge. So here we are in Texas. It's spring break. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Are you going to do anything? Are you going to party, Padre? Uh, oh, yeah. No, I'm not doing that. Um, I'm going to work, and so are you. Yeah, I am. Uh, so the rest of you all, if you are taking spring break, have fun. Yeah, please. Please have fun. Go to Padre on our behalf. Go, oh, God, help us all. I know. That sounds like I hell. I never did that, actually. Not that I've never been to Padre, but I certainly didn't go for spring break. No. Um, uh, and we like to say go CCR some art. I'd like to thank Matt Johnson for the song at the beginning and Eric Jarvis, who connected us with Matt. Thanks, guys, for the music. 
And we used with permission. We hope to do this, you know, on a regular basis. On a regular basis. Yeah. When topical topics arise, when dirt arises, Texas we'll, dirt, art dirt, dirt. We'll shovel it up. Yeah. All right.